Bam. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I can't complain at all. Nice, man. Is that a, a slow cooker over your shoulder there? Um, so back here, you see at the top, that's actually our Instapot. Okay. And then if you see down here, there's an Instapot. <laughs> oh, man. We got to do a commercial. Oh, man. They, they owe us a ton of money. We, we have all the different sorts of things. So we have the Instapot. We got a rice cooker over there, too. Like, sorry, two Instapots. Martina wanted a bigger one. Mm-hmm. It was like, it'll help me make more food. And I was like, just buy it. And I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> the Instapot's the one that does it really fast, right? It's like yeah. a... It's like a perch cooker. Yeah. So it's pretty quick. Yeah. I, people like preach about them. I've never had one. I only have like the, the slow cooker. The, we, we had one of those too. We really like it, but like the Instapot basically is like just the same thing, but it'll get it done a little bit like less time. Mm-hmm. It's like having a little chef in the kitchen. It's awesome. That's amazing. Oh dude. It's so nice. It's like, yeah. wow. Martina's like, I'm just gonna go in the kitchen real quick. She puts some stuff in there, seals it up, make sure it doesn't, um, it turns on and everything. Uh huh. Good to go. Well, I feel like if you have two of them, that means I need to really, I need to think of seriously about getting at least one. <laughs> you, you know, they say that the uh, the true mark of something, like uh-huh. something is worth your money, is if you'll buy it again. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, yeah, we'll buy another one. Right. Right. <laughs> and then it really means something if you're like, and I own multiple. Well. well yes. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, where are you located at? We live in Maryland and it's like, but like right near DC. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, like outside of DC. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. Basically like I've been here mostly, uh, like my entire life, a little bit in Virginia and then uh-huh. just moved over here. What, Got what about yourself? I grew up, well, I was born in Southern California and then we moved okay. to Lake Tahoe when I was like 10 ish. And then after that, I went to back to Los Angeles for, college for a couple of years and then to New York. And I've been in New York for 15 years. Oh, lovely. And then now I'm in Boulder. Ah, uh, very nice. Yeah. And I was, um, so I'm teaching here, um, you know, Matt Bernstein. Yes. Uh, so I'm teaching at his school out here for, for at least three months. Okay. Um, and I mentioned that, uh, I was going to be talking with you today and he was like, Oh, tell him I say hello. I guess you guys, uh, you guys were out here like two years ago. Yeah. We, uh, we know Matt, that guy, he's really awesome. We, we love him. Yeah, we, um, we gave, like we had we had him buying uh, something that's missed a while ago and everything. Uh-huh. You know, he, we gave him our account. That guy just like bought all sorts of stuff off of. Very and, cool. Uh, it was nice because like, um, whenever he would buy stuff, it would give him a discount, mm-hmm. and then I would get like uh, education dollars for like um, the seminars I was taking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, was it was it was this Poliquin? That was a Poliquin. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was really great. He was uh, really, really awesome. Yeah, he said you guys got to roll some jujitsu too. Oh, no, we didn't get to, um, oh, did we? I don't remember. We did jujitsu, no. We didn't, I don't think we got to. We wanted to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I think he had a place nearby. We didn't get to do it. Yeah, I must have misunderstood because you said something about jujitsu. And I remember I lo- looking at your Instagram, I, th- I saw that you did some jujitsu. Yeah, we, we did for a long time. But mm-hmm. we never actually got the role with um with him. But mm-hmm. I think we planned on it. It was a long time ago. I think we planned on it, and we didn't get to because um the seminar that we were at didn't like have an opening for it. Gotcha. But yeah, we had wanted to go to one with him to his gym, I believe. Well, just so you know, I'm already recording. I usually okay. just have it set to start recording, just in case 
you know, you were like, oh, going to say something that you didn't want recorded. I see it up in the corner. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, I, I, when I read, uh, I mean, just kind of like looking at some of the stuff that you've been doing and some of the stuff you've been talking about, I, I, I wanted to chat with you for a lot of reasons, but I feel like you're, you're, you're getting into something that I've thought a lot about. Yeah. And it's this idea of almost like doing too much strength work. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you've almost kind of made that your centerpiece mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of almost being like, well, what is, what is almost just enough? Like, yeah. what is that thing? Yeah. And exploring that, because I think for a lot of reasons, people overtrain strength and I think it, it almost comes down to like giving the illusion of being in more control of an uncontrollable world than we actually are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I'm curious about how you, how you've arrived at that approach because it sounds like you've gone through a lot of different iterations and, and philosophies and, and even admitting, which I really appreciate um, having the humility to be like, Hey, like I was doing things one way and I see it differently now where I've changed or maybe even so far as to say, like, I was wrong. Yeah. And I, and I have a, first a ton of respect for that, but yeah, I, I, I would love to hear how you've kind of come to where you're at with that philosophy. Yeah. So when I, when I first started training, I had that whole idea of like, you know, uh, more work automatically equal more gains. You know, that whole idea we have there, a lot of us have it. And mm-hmm. where the whole thing is like, like, so for example, my wife, uh, one time she went to go visit her home country of Bolivia and me and Martina, um, we, I hang out with her basically all day. Mm-hmm. So when she was gone for that two week period, I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. I guess I'll just train a few times a day and I'll make a lot of gains in this time. That was just my mindset. Like, oh, that's some extra free time. I should start training more so I can make more gains. By the way, I didn't make more gains from that time. I just ended up with uh, some pain and a really bad case of insomnia. So didn't work <laughs> <laughs> the way I expected. But um, that was like kind of my earlier mindset. Later, I realized there's, it's not really like scientific to say that. You can't really figure out exactly where the optimal amount of work is. And like, you know, like working more doesn't automatically equal more gains. It might sometimes even equal like a waste of your time or it might even be detrimental or it might even lead you to like taking a trip aboard the pain train where you're definitely going to backslide. So the problem is that we can't figure out exactly what like optimal, perfect amounts of training are, but we can figure out where the minimal effective dose is. That's easy enough. All you got to do is test a certain amount, see if you gain. If you do, great. If you don't, okay. You can kind of tweak it up and down and find where like that little bit, the amount that you need to, to move the bar upward as opposed to like, you know, what the, the perfect amount is. So that, that was our whole idea there. It's like, how can we figure out what the dosage is? And then based off that, once we have that minimal effective dose, how can we also combine it with the most effective exercises that let us gain on the widest range of things? So mm-hmm. it's like, I want to spend the least time in the gym, but I want to gain on everything in the gym, if at all possible. Right. So then what are some of the, the, the movements that you've kind of narrowed it down to? So we have found we, we have what we call our big five, which is, and these are progressions. So it's a planche push-up progression, mm-hmm. a handstand push-up progression, one-arm chin-up progression, front lever row progression, and a squat. 
Okay. And if you are working on these five exercises, our progressions towards them, um, the ones we, we put them out on Instagram and everything, then we found that not only will you gain in those five things, but you can be gaining on other things that you aren't doing. So for example, you might notice I didn't say deadlift. Well, mm -hmm. we found, oh, if you work on these five, the deadlift ends up going up for free. Or like, mm -hmm. I didn't mention like a front lever pull. I, I said a front lever row. The front mm -hmm. lever pull goes up for free. We found the same thing with like press handstands. It's like, oh, if I don't work on that, if I do that big five, that press handstand is gaining in the background. Now it doesn't means I don't have to actually spend direct time working on it. That's the whole idea. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that. It's so interesting. I, I, I remember, I don't know, I hadn't deadlifted in like years and I was doing different like squat variations, a little bit of like Olympic weightlifting. And then I remember deadlifting and I was like, I don't know what it was. It was like 160 kilos, like for five reps. And I'm like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even train this. And yeah. I'm in a CrossFit gym practicing uh -huh. next to people who are like, how did you do that? Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's like, uh -huh. I don't know. It's all, it's all the other things. Exactly. We, 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 exactly. That's one of the things we found out too. Like one of the first tests I ever ran by accident, I did a deadlift. Mm -hmm. I was um, basically, it was early in my entry into gymnastic strength. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get good at like planches and front levers and stuff. So mm -hmm. I had this idea that if I trained legs, they would grow huge and I'd never be able to planch. That's a deadlift or squat ever. Mm -hmm. And then one day after doing like, you know, single leg squats and like, you no, know, just body weight work. I never actually loaded anything up. I tried a deadlift and I pulled double body weight mm -hmm. for the first try. And I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. I didn't have to work on that, but it still went up without like direct work. Mm -hmm. And that kind of got me to the idea of like, oh, there's something called free games here. Like you don't have to work on absolutely everything. Just mm -hmm. like you saw too. It's like you did your deadlift and it's like, hey, it's going up directly. Right. Like certain things are, are trans, certain things are transferable. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So yep. then, and, and then it hits on this thing that I have grown to like find the, the, the big piece is that like, mm -hmm you know, when we stop caring or being so fixated on this like illusion of strength yeah. or the illusion that we need to be doing strength all the time is we suddenly have all the time or more time to be working on a lot of these other things yeah. that are like high value that doing strength too often takes us away from. Yes. You know, I love that. You know, like uh, people spend so much time trying to figure out how to optimize your training and the worst part is like, you can't really figure out exactly how many sets and reps per week and sessions per week will give you the most gains. But mm -hmm. you do know for sure, we know for sure, it's, a, it's like a fact that if you're spending all that extra time training for a chance of more gains that might not even happen, you're definitely missing out on other things that are mm -hmm. outside the gym. I mean, mm -hmm. and, you know, that, that's funny it's funny by itself that there are things outside the gym. I couldn't, I couldn't have told you that a long time ago. Right. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> right. Like, there are things outside the gym. I was like, there are like, what's, what is there? Like, <laughs> there's, there's both. Right. I imagine you arriving like, like on like a safari being like, <laughs> wait, what is that over there? It's like, it's like, did you know that books exist? And I can read one. I learned how. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think that that's like, you know, and I remember when I first started practicing movement, like, you know, in 2013 okay. and, you know, I was doing like 
two strength sessions a day, yeah, like six days a week on top of like mobility and hand balancing and all these mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, I, I can't deny that like a lot happened because of that. Yeah. But I also wonder to myself, I'm like, well, what are the, like, the, the things that I'm spending time on observing now yeah. that like that, 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 that time kind of took away from that. Yeah. If we're talking about being a, a mover or a generalist in the broadest sense, mm-hmm. like, well, I can stand on my hands, yeah. but why do I move poorly on my feet, for instance, yeah. uh-huh. you know? And it's yeah. like, well, that's not the stuff that we're going to address by just doing strength, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like maybe we'll have some more resilient or, or braver legs for yeah. when we move on our feet. Yeah. But like, if we're not moving on our feet and that's our primary mode of communicating with the planet earth, yeah. well, how am I really going to be a generalist around here? Mm, that that it, it's it's such a like it's such an interesting point because it's like you know there's there's so much to like being a a generalist I feel mm-hmm. and like there's like a generalist mover and then there's like you know also a, so part of a generalist human you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. the, the the one thing that we all have is limited time mm-hmm. so it's like you could even specialize in being a generalist mover but then there's all these other things over here that you end up missing as you're specializing in this one thing mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're doing. Like you, it, it's it's kind of hard. Like that's, that's our whole idea. So we, we figured out oh, time's kind of limited, which mm-hmm. we should have known from the first place, I guess, right? <laughs> but, but, but it's interesting because you're, you're, you're also then like, you're talking about this thing that I've begun to think a lot about, you know, and, and I mentioned it to somebody and they kind of used like, I think Leonardo da Vinci is an example, but somebody who is like, is this generalist person or, or I was using the word whole or wholeness. And I, I think you say it very well where people get caught up in there like, oh, I'm a generalist. I'm, I do, I'm a mover. I do movement. I'm a generalist. And it's like, well, no, in some ways you're actually starting to become a specialist at that thing. And the human stuff is actually getting put aside <laughs> for that thing, even though maybe that thing is a metaphor for life. Yes. You know, but like I was thinking about this idea of being like, oh, I want to be the person who can write and fight mm-hmm. and the person who can be strong and soft, the person who can cook and can also build things with their hands or, yeah. or who reads and also watches like shitty TV, you know, like kind of like the full spectrum of, you know, the person who cries and laughs at dirty jokes. Yes. And, and that I find really interesting and really attractive. And I also think that like, those are the qualities that really start to feed uh, our adaptability and our creativity. Yes. I, I think I agree. Well, I agree so much with that because we we had, we have, we have a funny joke, me and Martina, right? Uh Uh-huh we were in the gym one day because we were at a martial arts gym at the time mm-hmm. and Martina's reading anti-fragile and mm-hmm. one of our friends like this was like we, we we were training a lot during this time so we kind of maybe might have lost a little bit of our um social capabilities uh-huh. walks over and she's like what are you reading and Martina's like oh anti-fragile and then the friend is like oh what's that book about and Martina's like <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> it's like so the friend literally just like it's like okay, and then she turns and walks away. And uh-huh. Martina's like, 
I didn't know what to say to her. <laughs> right, right. I don't know how to talk to people anymore. <laughs> how, do I, how do I communicate with people? It's yeah. Like, like, but I talk about such an important quality, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I got to interview um, Yosef Frusek, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Fighting Monkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I forget if it was in our interview, if it was like in another lecture that I saw him give. And that idea of like how important it is for us to be communicating and sharing information, because like, that's how we develop new problem solving skills, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, how we start to develop our creativity. Also like how to see, see things differently. You know what I mean? Like maybe you see the world like a Jackson Pollock and <laughs> I, and, and I see, yeah. And I see the world in just straight lines everywhere. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And like, Oh, if I get a little piece of your consciousness, like now I have like new problem solving strategies to like how I, I go about these things. Um, so I find that that's like an important piece, especially if we're going to talk about being movement generalists or like, oh, well, if we want to be better problem solvers, we need to be able to talk to each other. Absolutely. Could you imagine if like we could not pass on information, each of us would have to learn every single thing that we want to do. Like, okay, now I have to go learn how to hunt Mm -hmm. and how to cook and Mm -hmm. how to gather the food. And how to make sure that I don't die. Oh, too late. I ate, I ate a wrong berry and now I'm dead. And it's like, if we couldn't pass that on, mm-hmm. it would be really, like, we wouldn't get very far. We'd still be probably spending like 10 hours a day trying to like find food and mm-hmm. then half of us be dying off because we picked the wrong berry or got eaten by a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ability to like pass on our experiences, mm-hmm. I think it's so important. So to lose I, amazing. I, I think it, I think it's so. I don't know. I've just thought more and more about it. And so much of it, I think it's actually spawned from getting to like do this podcast and talk to people and be like, Oh my gosh, like we're talking about so many of the same things, but we're telling the same things in different stories. So it ended up becoming like, so, so I'm teaching classes here now Mm -hmm. and I'll, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to experiment with a lot of things that I've been thinking about over the last seven, eight months during lockdown and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'll teach like a coordination pattern Mm -hmm. and I won't teach it. I'll just do it and say, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also give people the opportunity to like work with one another and be like, help each other figure it out. But don't help each other by saying what it is all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. Tell each other what it's like, tell each other stories, use Mm -hmm. some analogies and, and be a little poetic with how you share this information because mm-hmm. the, the, the movement itself is so complex that if you were to speak about what it is, it might take, a, it would take days <laughs> to break yeah. it down. Yeah. But if you speak with a little more of that storytelling element and kind of what it's like and, and these analogies, you, you also, you're not just sharing a little piece of yourself with, with this person, but they're able to like, we love stories and the stories help us fill in those gaps that make a complex world a little bit more chewable. Yes. I, I'm a really, I don't know if you've read the books of um, like Nassim Taleb and yeah. Daniel Kahneman. I, I love those because he talks about the same thing um, Taleb does like in the listening to like stories or like mm-hmm. um, having the, the like knowledge Mm-hmm. packed on in like story form it's like almost easier to remember it's mm-hmm. like don't stick fork in electrical sockets mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, okay that is kind of hard to remember i mean it's probably kind of somewhat easy but it's like it's hard to remember compared to like little johnny stuck a fork in the socket one time 
and mm-hmm. he got electrocuted so much that he, like you could see through him and see his phone structures and like he, he just exploded to a thousand pieces it's like okay you'll never forget that second story you know mm-hmm. what i mean <laughs> you'll, yeah you'll never forget that well and, and and that's why like like from you know the beginning of like modern human time like everything was done in story you know like look at like the, the the bible and shit like that mm-hmm. it's just like exactly. there's a reason that it's written as stories and not like a textbook yeah like you know, these are supposed to be stories and metaphors for like ways to navigate this like world. Yes. And, and they, and it's like, they knew early on, like, this is what resonates with people. It, it sticks. It sticks so much better. And I, I love what you said, like, it's not a textbook, like, you know, like mm-hmm. a textbook, some people might even think a textbook would be easier to understand. And, you know, maybe like for five seconds, maybe it would be, but you forget it like five seconds later. Yeah, like a story like where you and I think even there was um I forgot what book it is. It might be how we learn. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. But basically, it was I was reading about how like the more you involve in learning something, mm-hmm. it just seems to stick more. So if you can like hear it, that's mm-hmm. one thing. That if you can hear it and somehow feel it, oh now mm-hmm. you got more. If you can hear it, feel it, and see it, okay. Mm-hmm. And then like even like apparently the smells. If you smell certain something mm-hmm. while learning something. And then you smell it again. Apparently, that can even like help you recall on a mm. test. It's like wow! Like all of our senses combined together help us remember this stuff. It's amazing how, like, memory and stuff like that are like a learning and mm-hmm. holding knowledge. Mm-hmm. It it seems almost kind of inefficient in a way. Mm-hmm. But it's like no, these stories are, are really important for helping us remember these things. Well, and that's so much of like us learning how we learn. You know, mm-hmm. like each individual has their own kind of approach to learning. And, you know, again, it's unfortunate, like in, in our society, people want to just be like handed things. Yes. And they think that like, for instance, like, oh, they just show up at the gym. They're like, well, I, I do the hard work. And I'm like, hey, like all the praise in the world for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's something even more about like digging into a process without having your hand being held yeah. and learning skills or, 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 or learning information without someone handing it to you on a silver platter because like it might take longer but like the payoff of going through the learning process of your own about how you learn how you're uh you know prepared for new scenarios in the future which makes you adaptable and resilient and all these things you know that's like magical but around around here the way things are now it's like you know i had a conversation with somebody last night who took one of my classes and was trying to tell me about you know kind of uh, you know, kind of holding me to task about like not hand holding. Yeah. And being like, oh, well, you know, don't you think it, some of us would get these things quicker if you just really broke it down for us? Yeah. And I'm like, you 100% would. Yeah. But like, then you would only be left with this one movement or this one skill. Yes. And I really want you to get all that stuff that comes before the skill. Yes. Or the movement or the pattern or whatever it is. Absolutely. I and totally that, agree. And that and and that's the thing that we can't always explain where it's going to matter and how it's going to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I have a friend who does the same thing with me. So uh-huh. he like um he's been helping me learn about like finance, trading, investing, and everything. Mm-hmm. And like if I ask him a question, typically it's like I know if I ask one question, it's going to be like I'm not going to get an answer. It's going to be like a long journey of like him like being like him asking me stuff back and then making me look it up. And then mm-hmm. finding it out. And then at the, at the end of it, though, like, I'm like, I have a much deeper understanding. And I remember it so much better 
mm-hmm. than if he just gives me like a quick answer or something like that. And it's yeah. like, you know, it, it, you almost at the beginning, you're like, oh man, I just, I just need to know the answer. I just need to know one plus one equals two. But then it's like, no, let me teach you how to do addition. Mm-hmm. And then when, when you run into one plus two, you know what the answer will be. If you run into one plus five, you can find out what your own answer is. If you right. give me the answer to one plus one, it's like, okay, great. Well, right. Then you only know that thing. I only know that one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that there's so much there, but again, it's like people are so addicted to competence. And as somebody who's like an online, who does a lot of online coaching, you probably feel that, right? A yeah. lot of people are almost just like, well, just tell me how to do it. Yeah. Just like, tell me the thing, like, or like, what's the secret? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, to me, the real magic is like, not so much of like giving answers, but giving opportunities for discovery, right? Yeah. That's kind of like when you read about Zen masters, like people show up at like the, the temple and <laughs> the Zen master will be like, I have nothing to teach you yeah. because they don't. They're just like, they're just going to like give you opportunities to make discoveries about things that you might already know or kind of already exist inside you. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I find just like you said, where it's like sometimes people I think want to be competent really, 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 really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not bad to go through some period of time where you're not good at something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? Like anything, if you want to get good at anything that's like kind of difficult, it's probably gonna be a period of time where you're not that good at it. And it's like that's not anything to be like uh what's the word like frustrated or like you know really angry about and it's funny because like you know i'm saying that now and of course then later i'll be doing something and i'm like oh this is so frustrating like why is this yeah. not easier but of course it's like you got to kind of bathe in that a little bit that way you can actually like uh learn it but it, it's so it's, it's so hard at first i think sometimes to just engage in that like you know that field where you're incompetent it's kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah and it's just again it's like we're almost t- i mean you know we have like a uh, a president who just like is like anti-failure, anti-losing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but that's that's actually the magic of life because there's actually no winning without losing. Yeah. There's no success without failure. Yeah. And the truth is, is embarrassment, frustration, and discomfort are the preludes to success yeah. or pick the word that, you know, fills in that gap. But it's yep. like, those things come first, but people want to like, skip that step. I always, <laughs> I always use the example. I feel like I say it to everybody, but to me, it hits the nail on the head. It's like, I always use uh, Everest as an example, mm-hmm. right? People just pay and get dragged to the top by like a guide and 10 Sherpas. Uh-huh. And, you know, they just, they, it's like an 80 year old who's never climbed before and they just get dragged to the top uh-huh. and yeah, you're going to get to the top of Everest, but you're not a mountaineer. No, so no, no. You haven't learned the things that will like benefit you in the future in a lot of different ways. Like if you wanted to actually climb Everest, like if you and I were gonna go do it, we would like go learn Nepalese. (laughs) We would like learn how to climb. We'd probably have to go do like different types of climbing. We'd have to learn about like, you know, the nuances of ice climbing and and elevation and and all these things. And that information stays with you. And in some ways that's the more important part than the end thing. So like, if we're talking about like a planche for instance, like the planche doesn't matter. Everything that kind of happens leading up to it, (laughs) whether you get it or not, it might be the more interesting thing. It is. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I tell people the same thing too. It's like, you know, when you get the, uh, I think some people, sometimes people see like the end goal and it's like, they almost make it kind of binary. Like, oh, I can do a one-arm chin up or I cannot do a one-arm chin up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
if you've got to 99.9% of a one-arm chin-up, you have gained a lot of things on that journey before mm-hmm. it turns to like, before that, like, you know, you have 100% free density do it. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's like most of the, the benefit was probably in that 99.9% before yeah. you hit the one-arm chin, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's not, <laughs> right. it's, it, I think sometimes it's almost a kind of reductionist to think of it as like, yes or no, pass or fail compared yeah. to like all the things that come before that, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, yeah, exactly. People are super like binary about it. It's like yeah. it either happened or it didn't. It's like, no, like everything happened. Yeah. yeah. Whether that thing occurred doesn't matter, but yeah. everything else, and then that's amazing. I think sometimes that's why I like, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was like, or, or the other day, and I feel inclined to, to, to stop using the word goal. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. know that like, maybe if you and I speak, yeah. I think because we're, you know, on a more similar page, yeah. what we think of as goal may mean like, oh, it doesn't have to happen, but it's just kind of like a roadmap. Yes. Whereas I think a, a lot of people hear that word goal and it's almost like, if that doesn't happen, I'm like a failure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yeah, I, and I'm sure again, like with online coaching, you probably feel that with people where they're like, oh, I didn't get the thing. Like, oh, uh, like, what do I do? And you're just like, hey, like, it's all fine we have that same thing happen with our testing. Like sometimes we run these tests to see mm-hmm. if we have carryover from one exercise to another. Uh-huh. And the, the goal of course is to find carryover, but sometimes you end up finding like really weird stuff. Like, like this whole accommodating resistance principle with the manual resistance, mm-hmm. like um, like trying to make the entire rep maximally difficult. Mm-hmm. The funny part about that is that's not something that we like were testing out directly. That was actually spawned from a like debate me and one of my friends were having about what a better exercise was and mm-hmm. I mentioned how this one exercise was better because you could change the resistance mid rep and he was mm-hmm. like hmm actually wait let me try changing the resistance mid rep so it's maximal the entire time he did it and he was like oh check this out and I was like oh my goodness we can apply it to every exercise we do and we couldn't put that together but it was an accident that we kind of came up with during a debate where we're just arguing back and forth <laughs> it's just like well, well that's well that's also very it's almost like very like uh you it sounds like you you like nasim taleb yeah but it sounds it sounds kind of like taleb of you like the yeah. and kind of embracing like the tinkering yeah the t- exactly exactly I, I i didn't know you, you had um you had gone through that well yeah that's exactly that's exactly the word i would use tinkering i think do you remember that part in the book there's that part where it's like uh he was talking about, I think it was a blood pressure medication. They were trying to find a way to lower blood pressure. And then they ended up accidentally creating Viagra. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. That part, right? Yeah. Uh huh. That part was so funny to me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like they tried to make a blood pressure medication. I'm sure the guy who made it was like, oh man, I'm a failure. All right. this does is just like improves people's sex life. I can't do anything with this. Just walks away right. crying. <laughs> yeah. Just over and just like, um, can I have a patent for that? For like five right. bucks? <laughs> right. Now he now he's sitting on a pile of money. Being like, <laughs> but what about the blood pressure? <laughs> yeah. But that's it. But that is the thing. It's like the willingness to kind of be like, oh, well, like, what is this? Like asking yeah. questions, being skeptical. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like oftentimes in, in maybe it's movement, maybe it's, you know, when we get super limited into like strength and conditioning or something, 
but like we we start kind of like removing like the curiosity and the wonder yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I don't know. I think that like does us a disservice. You know what I mean? Like, I think there should be like a healthy room for skepticism of all things. I, I totally agree. Uh, like I said, my friend, Eric, that's his name. He, he totally encourages me always to like test things out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even like, no matter what you think will happen in this test, mm-hmm. go ahead and test it out. Cause like you said, I think there's a lack of skepticism. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a, um, a lot of uh, like sunk cost fallacy. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I had another experiment like this where I was trying to see if single leg squats would carry over to um, the back squat. And I was like, you know, oh, I don't think it'll work because the single leg squat doesn't have that lower back component that Mm -hmm. the back squat does. So it won't carry over at all, blah, 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 blah. And then I just ran a test anyway because, you know, COVID happened, I didn't have a gym anymore. Uh And then I found out, oh wait, it does carry over. My back squat went up like 20 pounds about doing it not mm-hmm. to mention my range of motion increased. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what about that whole lower back thing I was thinking? I guess it didn't really apply, but had I like stuck with that lower back idea, mm-hmm. I would have never tested it out. But it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I tested it out. I had some skepticism, I just left it open to opportunity. And right. Else. It was awesome. right, so it's not always just being like, well, this person said this, so that's yeah. how it is. It's being like, hey, well, I think that that person knows some things, but I'm also like, I'm happy to like try and tinker yeah. and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah, you never, you never know what'll happen. You know, as long as you're not doing anything that's going to like blow you up and kill you, then yeah, go ahead and test it out. <laughs> so, yeah. So when so when did you like? How recent was this kind of like change in philosophy where you were like you were training at least strength? Yeah. Quite a bit, and then now it's almost like I don't want to use the word maintenance, but it's like cutting it down to like the bare bones. When did yeah. that start? When did that evolution happen, or what was kind of like the 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 seismic moment? That, that happened sometime around, I think last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around the beginning of the year, I started tweaking it down lower and lower and lower. And then like, I, I don't remember exactly what month, but at a certain point I was like, let me try doing this once a week strength training. I'm like, like again, it was like, I know that's not supposed to work, but can it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we tried it out. And I was like, and of course a lot of people told me, they're like, oh, you're not gonna make gains with that. It's not gonna work. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll try it anyway. I tried it and I probably had like the most anxiety I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Mm-hmm. But it started working and I was like, oh, this is weird. And then not only did it start working, I started getting stronger than I had been when I was training like six times a week. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is really weird. And then like over mm-hmm. time, I actually started training even less than mm-hmm. like once a week. I started training like once like uh, every... I'm at this point, I'm at, nine, I'm at every nine to 10 days mm-hmm. and it's still working. And it's like, oh my goodness, I would not have thought that that was going to be able to happen. But that ended up happening, yeah, sometimes last, in the beginning of last year. I was talking to somebody I interviewed like a week ago, this, um, her name's Elka. She lives up in Toronto, okay. um, Elka Schroeder. And she said this thing that uh, you're kind of saying, she was like, I want to practice that gives me energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to practice that like exhausts me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want something that like I can do that like helps me through the day. Yeah. You know? And I started hearing it and being like, yeah, like I don't want to practice that like rocks my world today. And then I, maybe I have energy tomorrow. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like this is supposed to be part of something where like, 
it, 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 it is energy giving and, and, and revitalizing and being like, oh, well, I've done this thing. And now I have even more energy to like tackle what I have to do next today. Because like at other times in history, it wouldn't be like, well, you know, I'm going to blow myself up and then just lay by the fire. You know what I mean? Because you'd be like, you'd be like, well, I've got to do some things and I have to hunt and I have to be prepared for maybe another tribe that's going to like attack us or something. So it's like, I can't be totally fried. No. Yeah. Exactly. I I find that really funny because it's like, I think a lot of people don't feel successful during the day unless they feel like absolute crap. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's, not, it's, like, it's like, I, I can't feel good. If I leave the session feeling good, wasn't hard enough. If I don't feel like absolute trash at all times, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing enough. And it's like, you're working out to feel better and stronger, yet you spend like every day of the week totally feeling like hot garbage. Like, right. that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so, right. Like, so what is that doing for you? You're just yeah. like, oh, you're just like, training to train as opposed to being like, oh, I'm going to train so that I can, I can, you know, execute life in a more interesting, creative way. Yes. I, Mm -hmm. I find it really funny how like, as humans, we we kind of get it. We kind of understand it with wealth. We have that trope in all the movies Mm -hmm. of the person who works super hard at their job, makes all the money. And then they're like, oh man, I didn't have like, any time to spend it with my family, blah, blah, blah. And they realize at the end of the movie and then they're like, oh, too. But for some reason, we don't have like a workout version. I want to make a workout version of this movie. It's, I'm going to start casting for it soon. It's going to mm-hmm. be about a guy who works out and he gets super strong, right? But then at the end of his life, he's like, wow, I never even like flexed it off and showed it to some like girls or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I would say a lot of like the bodybuilding documentaries, huh? kind of capture a little yeah. bit of this thing. Like yeah. I watched the the Ronnie Coleman one. Okay. Which is awesome. Okay. Um, and then I watched the Dorian Yates one. Ooh, okay. And Dorian, I realize is a little more thoughtful and he's at this point, I think pretty critical of like okay. the bodybuilding world. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Coleman is still, you know, even though he can't like walk, he's like on the crutches, <laughs> you know, but you know, kind of talking, telling the story a little bit of being like, oh, like, what was that? Like, what yeah. was that all that time to that thing? Yeah. Um, and it's, and, it, and, it, and it's interesting, you know, when yeah. they, when they look at it, because it's almost like, well, wh- what did it get me? Exactly. It's like, and how much did I lose on the way there? It's like, mm. oh, what, did, what did I miss? Like, have you, have you read um, that poem? It's by Charles Bukowski. And mm. it's like, basically suffer 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 you'll be amongst the gods and you're gonna yeah oh like Mm -hmm. that poem i'm like can you add some nuance to that it's like oh also you might also regret it at the end of your life because you missed out on everything else (laughs) right (laughs) right it's like it's it's not that like suffering's not not a thing it's an important piece you know and like knowing how to do it but yeah like i think there's a lot of like the romanticizing Mm -hmm. of of suffering yeah you know, so it's almost like people end up like maybe I'm just spitballing, but it's almost like they end up like being like it, it, everything is supposed to be suffering or yeah. everything <laughs> is supposed to be that, you know, and, and not kind of being like, oh, well, no, it's kind of this teeter totter of things. Yeah. Oh, I, I had to be told that last year. Once again, mm-hmm. by my friend, he was like, basically, he had to explain to me. He's like, it's, you know, it's OK to like enjoy life. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? 
yeah yeah like it's okay to go on a walk it's like, and, and not for working out like it's like mm-hmm. you know, not like not a power walk for cardio mm-hmm. walk mm-hmm. and i'm like no i don't I don't, I don't know what you're saying, man. I don't, I don't understand. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard for me to understand. <laughs> yeah. But there's something also to that passion because I would say on the other side of the coin, like a lot of people lack the discipline or haven't developed the discipline to be a little bit more of the other thing as well. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I realized people could listen to us and be like, oh, see, like these guys, like you can just <laughs> do whatever. But then that I, like I said, there's something to also like developing the discipline and like knowing how to like navigate that. I totally agree. I think there's, it, it definitely requires some like nuance. You don't want to be totally sedentary, mm-hmm. but then you don't want to go totally to the gym every seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really hard. I think sometimes to like be able to go from, sorry, to not go from one extreme straight to the other extreme. It's like, there can be some nuance there, mm-hmm. but that nuance is really hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. And again, I almost think it kind of goes along with the whole story thing sometimes where it's like, it's an easier story probably to just say, I go to the gym every single day or to say, I never go to the gym. I think it's kind of a hard story to say. Sometimes I go, but you no, know, sometimes I don't. And I go in this kind of manner and like that kind of manner, I don't go to, it's like, it's like hard. There's a lot of nuance there. Right. Well, it's, it's also like wrapped up in identity too. Oh Yeah which is yeah. a big piece. So uh, now that you have this like extra time, mm-hmm. um, aside from kind of like getting to like live some some other regular life things like reading the <laughs> books and taking the walks, yeah. um, not that those things aren't practiced because I actually think that everything benefits everything. Yeah. But I am curious, like what are some of the other things that you've been working on or, or interested in around your movement practice that are, have been opened up to you with with a little more time with less strength practice. So, particularly movement wise, or like, what do you? Yeah, you, maybe maybe movement wise, and then like, and then past that as well, I guess. Okay. So at at the first, we started doing a lot more martial arts. Mm-hmm. We did that for quite some time. Like on our off days, we would do a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but later, we kind of we kind of got out of it, and mm-hmm. now we don't typically do like. A movement in between. Um, we've done a lot of it for a lot of years, but now we typically tend to go for walks mm-hmm. um, every day. It's like one of our most fun things to do. We talk a lot and we spend a lot of time nowadays working on our relationship um, mm-hmm. because we kind of like, me and Martina got together when we were like 18 and 17, her respectively. Mm-hmm. So we, we did a lot of growing uh, together. Like not just like, you know, when you're older and you kind of already know what you like, when you get together with somebody, you're already who you are. So it's kind of like, you know, you know who you are. They know who they are. You guys get together. You, you decide if you like each other or not. We mm-hmm. kind of started off so young, I feel like, that we ended up growing into people mm-hmm. and then also having to learn to get to know each other. But then yeah. we kind of didn't actually do that because we were always training. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are you saying almost like like the, the training was a bit of like of a of a distraction? Yeah. From like actually being like looking at each other and being like, oh, like we have changed quite a bit. Yeah. We should we should get to know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. It. I think I feel like a lot of like I'm. Like, it sounds funny and cliche, but I feel like I'm getting to know my wife. Like over the past two years, uh-huh. I'm really getting to know her, and we're like, we're sitting there, and we're like, how did we get married before? Like, we even 
I didn't know who this person was. Right. <laughs> so, right. So there's a lot of that going on currently. Like we're 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 doing a lot of um just like learning, getting to know each other, becoming like a a lot stronger of a couple. We really love it because it's um it's like there's a lot of uh almost I would say the skill or like I don't know time that goes into being in a relationship, mm-hmm. and and that's where a lot of it goes nowadays. So it's, it's been a blast. I think that that's beautiful and i also think that i think that it's an important thing for like people to hear because again it's like for some reason and maybe you have some ideas on this but in the movement world and maybe in other worlds as well maybe in bodybuilding and maybe in martial arts but just from where i sit in the movement world people are almost made to feel potentially like if you're not living like a monk (laughs) you're not doing it right you know what i'm saying Like there's not as enough of like this appreciation for like, oh, relationships yeah. and, and communicating and like participating in the world, participating in nature, like, yeah. like all these kind of bigger elements yeah. um, that it's almost like, well, listen, if you're not a movement monk, you are not doing movement. Yes. Right. Have, did you, are you, have you seen that? I've lived that where it's yeah. like, I remember my sister had a, um, a wedding shower and like this, I'll tell the story almost in reverse. Basically, mm-hmm. I told her like, oh yeah, I'll come to your wedding shower. And then she was like, you are actually gonna take time off your training to come to my wedding shower? This is like the happiest day of my life. She texted my mom and my mom showed me the message. She's like, your sister says that this is like the best day of her life that her brother's actually gonna come to her wedding shower. And I'm like, you can, so you can imagine how what's the word, how dedicated, quote unquote, I was to training and how undedicated I was to like spending time with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. And my sister is that amazed that I'm going yeah. to come to her wedding. Right. Like that's so, like, some, like something that would almost be like, this should be a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It should be just like, of course I'm going to come. Of course my brother's coming. It's like, I'm going to, she should automatically just order food for me because she should know I'm going to come. But the mm-hmm. fact she was in shock about that says mm-hmm. a lot probably about um, how uh, dedicated and disciplined I was about my training. <laughs> it's, it, it is funny though. It's like, it, 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 it's this thing and I see it like everywhere where everybody is almost like, they feel like they have to be like, it, like their whole life and whole day has to be about training. Yeah. When, when in reality, the pra- like if you're practicing something, everything you're doing is, is part of it. Yes. Everything, the walks, the conversations, the reading, the, the relationships, like it's all part of it. But like I said, for some reason, there's like, people are almost feel like, Oh, like I I have to be doing this for like six hours a day and it needs (laughs) to be focused in this way. And like, as much as I respect that, Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes people jump in there and think that that's how it has to be. And maybe that's part of like the elitist quality of it, where it's almost like, well, if you don't have the six or seven hours a day to do this, well then, you know, you're not really doing it. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like we all live lives and like have a lot of other <laughs> shit going on. You know? exactly. yeah. um, I, I agree. I think it's like, okay, you know, like, and if someone, and if someone is willing to, to sit there and really like be like, I'm gonna spend eight hours a day doing this, and I'm going to like just live it and love it. And I'm like, okay, man, cool. Like, I'm pretty much down with whatever you like to do as long as you don't have to cut people's heads off or anything like that. Yeah. People, but <laughs> that's my only rule. So if you want to do that, 
great. I just think that like, we can't even really tell how we're going to feel at the end of our lives. Yeah. Um, so I think like, I'm, I'm, I would be personally worried if I was spending that much time still training. And then later I'm going to be like, oh man, I kind of regret all those things I didn't do. All, all those things I missed out on. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom told me a, a story about one of her friends. Oh, I think it was our friend of her friends. She like ate super clean all the time, never cheated on her diet. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing, you know, she wanted to do it to live forever. And then she ended up like passed away by getting hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh man, like you don't, you never know when, when it's coming for you. So it's like, you, you, all the discipline's great and everything, but if you knew that you were going to get hit by a bus at that time, she was, she was still pretty young. Mm-hmm. It's like, you might want to, you might've wanted to like have a cinnamon roll or something like that, you know, like, yeah. you shoot yourself, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. As yeah. the bus is coming, as the bus coming at you, you're like, oh man, I should have oh. taken a bite. Yes, exactly, exactly. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I, I wish I had spoken to my wife more. I wish I would have eaten that cinnamon roll. I wish I would have gone to that party and like, you know, hung out with my friends, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like that stuff might be important to you. I, I think a lot of times people are trying to like once again spend that eight hours a day doing that movement monk thing. He's <laughs> just like yeah. said. But it's like, all right, maybe you'll like that, but you might regret all the other stuff you missed out on. Well, and I, and I think that you're right. Where it's like, if I don't know, I I've seen it where people are like, that's they're totally into it, and they like actually like love it. And I'm like, yeah, more power to you. Like, hit it six, seven, eight hours if like if, if that does it for you. Yeah. But I think a lot of along the way, there's like for some people, it's almost like they're they maybe they tell themselves that there's like an expectation yeah, and they yeah. start doing it when it's not really yeah what they want to like be doing or how they want to live. And that's why I find, you know, certain people that I've gotten the chance to talk to really interesting. And I find like the way that they approach really attractive because they're, they're more grounded as people with like relationships and other things going on and, and, and multiple interests outside of movement. Yeah. And and that translates into how they approach movement and how they yeah. teach movement yeah. with a little bit of um, compassion mm-hmm. and empathy mm-hmm. and and not like, this is how it is. This is how it has to be. Uh, being like, oh, like, hey, like everybody's in a different place and that's awesome. Like be in that different place and let that like, let that ride and celebrate that as opposed to being like, it's, it's this way or the highway. I absolutely love that. I, I love what you said about how, like, you know, I think that gives them more compassion because it's like, if you are working with people who, like, if you're only working with people who spend eight hours a day, it's kind of turning up to a little bit of like, probably kind of an echo chamber where it's like, oh, I want to get the one arm handstand. Okay. Well, it's like, well, I know you're willing to spend eight hours a day on it. So here we go. Compared mm-hmm. to like, okay, I want to train, but I also like have a family that I want to like have fun with. And it's like, okay, how do I adjust that person's training? Like back in the day when I was training people, mm-hmm. um, I tended to train people who like had unlimited time. Mm-hmm. So like, if you didn't have, if you only had like two sessions a week to give, that would be weird for me at that point, you know? Like I had one guy in the past, he told me that he had two sessions of 20 minutes per day during the week because he had like kids and a job and like all that stuff. I think he was like CEO, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like so weird back in the past. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, so you've got 20 minutes twice a week. Well, what do you need the other 15 minutes for? Cause like just 
talk. <laughs> yeah. Need, right. all, all I need is five, baby. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you feel like, you know, like in the past, cause I felt this too, like mm-hmm. that there, you, you felt more like rigidity as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I felt like I felt the same way. Like years ago, I was like so rigid. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, it, yeah. you gotta do it this way. And then, yeah, it's like with time, you're just like, how, you know, like, I think you need to find how this works for you. I, I, I never even realized it until you, until you just said it when you mentioned compassion. And I was like, that's funny, because like before in the past, I would have been like, yeah, if you don't train like this, you're just not dedicated. You must not like, you must not want it hard enough. Yeah, that's a, that's the line. You're <laughs> yeah. not dedicated. And not people dedicated. are like, yo, I'm here for an hour. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you're not dedicated. You're not dedicated. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, when you think about it, it's like this person's already spending like, you know, like a couple of hours a week doing this. It's like, that's pretty solid. You know what I mean? For most people, that's pretty mm-hmm. solid. Because I mean, most people are already not sleeping enough. They already got a job. They got to work five days a week, eight hours mm-hmm. a day, sometimes more on the weekends. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have kids, which like those are another full-time job and you don't even get paid for that one. Right. <laughs> so for right. them to even be able to dedicate like a couple sessions a week, yeah, that's a lot. So like to be able to really understand that, like, like mm-hmm. you said, like that's really, I think, compassionate, but I think it's kind of hard to get that compassion if you're so like stuck on six days a week, eight hours a day, anything mm-hmm. less is simply like just not serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you you are you mostly influenced or a lot of your approaches like influenced from like working under like Poliquin? A lot of it at first came from Charles, yeah. Uh-huh. Um I did like 25 seminars with Poliquin. It was it was really cool. I learned a lot of cool stuff. But a lot of it, I ended up kind of just like putting into the toolbox for later. Like I don't pull it out much. Um, a lot of it nowadays, of the learning I use is mm-hmm. based on um, just like testing stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like that's where the big five thing came up. That's where the uh, the common resistance came up. With, you know, like I said, with a debate with my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the once a week training. I learned that from a book called uh, Perfect Health Diet. I kind of got the idea a little bit from there. And mm-hmm. then I kept going with it. And I was like, oh, let's take this and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another book called Body by Science. But mm-hmm. it, I really like this, like Doug McGuff. But mm-hmm. it's a lot of like various places where it's a lot with the whole theme with all those just like playing with stuff and tinkering until mm-hmm. you find the right amount. So a lot of our, our things nowadays that we're learning is just from experimenting. And and most of the work you do is online? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and how then do you approach that with people that you're not seeing in person? Like um, like that, the idea of like meeting them where they're at, you know, like what, what, what information do you like ask for? What do you want to see when you're working with someone online? So they send us videos about mm-hmm. their form and like, you know, I go through that, I help correct it. I'd say, you know, tweak that there, that looks great, keep that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then they also like, we, I tend to talk to people about like their lives as well. Like it's, it's really like, like if you look at the email, part mm-hmm. of it is like technical. Mm-hmm. And then part of it, like, is just so like almost casual that if you saw like half and half without it, you would be like, oh, they're just sending like friendly emails back and forth. You would have no idea it was like actually, right. <laughs> it was actually right. like, you know, online coaching. Uh-huh. Um, so like, like most of the, the trainees, like I, I know stuff about them where it's like not just their training, like you know where they're strong, where I can help improve them, et cetera, et cetera. 
but I also know stuff about like just their lives where it's like, like oh, if I go to hang out with this person, I know that we should suggest hanging out over at that place because they like that kind of food. Or like mm-hmm. this person, if I'm gonna hang out with them, they're gonna wanna play video games. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's like not just seeing them as like an email address, but also yeah. being like, oh, well, who is this as a person? Yes. You know, and like, what is, like, what does that mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's really fun. Like I have one guy we talk about, actually, I know I have a couple of them. I don't, maybe I attract them, but it's a couple of gamers. <laughs> so we talk about video games and everything. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh yeah, like, you know, we talk about the new, Red De- sorry, not new, but the newest, latest Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about, you know, that game. And then we were talking about Ghost of Tsushima. You know, then I talked to another person and he has like a family and we love like family stuff. So we talk about that, go back and forth on that topic a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and we have another guy, he's like uh, a mover as well. So we mm-hmm. talk about that kind of stuff. And we all just, you know, it's like partly training, but also partly it's getting to know people on like mm-hmm. a personal level where it's like, if I ever met them, like I know what to talk about with them. I know what we're going to enjoy doing and know what, what to hang out with them about. You know what I mean? Like, right. And well, and it's like, when you know someone that way, it's like, how could you ever possibly create like a protocol? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, Oh, look how different all of these people are that yeah. I'm like communicating with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. When it's just an email address and it's like, you have 10 of them. It's like, well, pro- <laughs> protocol, protocol, <laughs> protocol, protocol. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Yeah. As opposed to being like, Oh, well, if you know someone, you're just like these two people who via email address yeah. might seem very similar. Yeah. But then once you know them, you're like, Whoa, yeah. very <laughs> different. Like, these are people coming from completely different places. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we see such a wide range of people, like just lots of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Have, have everything from like you know parents to like CEOs to like people who are like uh, I'm trying to think of what like the the craziest job I might have. I, one guy sent me his videos mm-hmm. from a radiology room. Like he was, <laughs> <laughs> he, was working, he works in, he was working out in the radiology room. And I'm like. All right, cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I've had even crazier things. Like, I just can't think of them off the top of my head, but it's like, yeah, I, you just see everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that and is that your whole business? Is the whole business now just like totally online? Yeah, it's totally online. So I, I used to work teaching martial arts as well, but mm-hmm. then I, I just teach online nowadays. What, yeah. what kind of martial arts were you teaching? Uh, so I was doing um, submission grappling there, like a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh-huh. And uh, I did that for um, maybe 10 years. Yeah. So you, pra- you practiced Jiu-Jitsu for 10 years? No, no, I practiced it for like 16. Whoa. But, <laughs> yeah. but only no gi. Um, no, no, I did, I did gi too as well. I did, I've done everything. So like you name mm-hmm. a martial art, I've probably done it. Like it's mm-hmm. I started off in Brazilian, so no, I started off in Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Then I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Then I did mm-hmm. wrestling. Mm-hmm. Then came, after that came, um, I can't remember the order. It's been so long. Uh, boxing and Judo. I did some Sambo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so how do you feel like your martial arts background influences, like how you approach your your students your online students so i think one of the best things it gave was like just like you said earlier which i love by the way compassion Mm -hmm. in terms of like 
if you are a coach, I think it just kind of helps to like, even if you just, all you care about is helping people strength train, it probably helps at least once in your life to go off and do a movement at the same time out of your strength training. Because mm-hmm. it's like strength training, you can make a program of that. Movement, you can make a program of that if you want to, you know, it's like more cooler, but yeah, but you can make a kind of a program of that, right? Now combining them together, that can be where things are hard. Like it's hard to be like, you know, a climber and mm-hmm. also be working towards a one-arm chin-up mm-hmm. and not taking the board the pain train. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like working on that was really awesome because it's like, okay, how can I fit strength training together with the movement that I was doing? And what we found was like, okay, this low frequency training approach where it's high intensity, low frequency is awesome because mm-hmm. now people have way more time to spend on the movement, which may respond better to higher frequency anyway, because you no know, learning like a fine motor skill might be a little bit more uh, benefit benefited by frequency in the first place. Mm. Yeah. And and so you feel like then like by by having taught martial arts, there's a little bit more of like that like respect for for like the time. Yeah. The time and, and the energy and like the recovery costs. Cause we so I've, I've done a lot of movements as well. Like um, I did martial, martial arts was like the longest one, but I also did break dancing, mm-hmm. it's tumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like some snatches as an adult. I did some like hand balancing. I went to like, um, like a very small circuit school for private lessons for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did rock climbing, bouldering, that kind of stuff. I, I think that's, oh, do some ballet and dance. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was a lot of stuff. So like having that like wide range of movements, right. I think helps like, I just kind of understand when someone comes to me and they're like, oh, I'm also doing this at the same time. It's like, okay, I've been there a little, at least a little bit, not good at mm-hmm. it, but I've been there a little bit. Right, so you're like, oh, like I know what it's like to be doing jujitsu for 10, 16 years and being yeah. like, oh, and I need to do supplemental things that yes. aren't everything that still like lets me have like the gas. Yes. Right. So you're like, that's why you're like, oh, I have the compassion for it. Exactly. The compassion. It's like, okay, I know that yeah, if I'm going to have somebody doing jujitsu and they're like, you no know, training for a competition, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I know that we need to make the training like fit around what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in their jitsu as well. So when I write the program, I'm thinking like, okay, this person's also doing like a lot of grip work. Even if they're doing gi versus no gi, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this person's doing a lot of like grip work on their fingers versus mm-hmm. this person's doing just like, you know, they might they're they might be a little bit more like a uh, cardiovascular in their training and no gi a little faster. You were you said earlier you were talking a lot about kind of like senses. Mm-hmm like the nervous system. And it reminds me of a conversation. So I interviewed Paul Schreiner, okay. you know him? No. Uh, so I was training jujitsu at Marcello's in okay. the city oh, nice. Nice. and Paul was like the second in command. Okay. And, but like a real, he's an intellectual, he's like an academic okay. and an artist and jujitsu practitioner. Okay. Um, but hearing him talk about jujitsu, um, and almost saying, I'm going to like butcher it. I always say that I'm, I should never like quote the people I talk to because I end up like totally like butchering it and probably getting it totally wrong. <laughs> but that like, you know, talking about jujitsu is like a sensory experience, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like developing the art of it is like, it's not the techniques yeah. that it's like, it's actually developing like 
all the other things, like by going through like the sensory experience and like developing more sensory awareness that only comes from actually practicing. Yeah. And he, I think he even said something like the techniques aren't jujitsu. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, the art of jujitsu is like the, the thing in between that doesn't necessarily have words attached to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. I, I feel like with, with like all these different movements, it's like, yeah, you see like, I, I really like, um, I don't know what the actual term for it is called. Uh, Riley Bodycomb mentioned it in a, in a podcast one time, but it's basically like in all these different arts, there are kind of like rules and ways to get things done. And when you combine that with us humans who like to get things done really, really, really efficiently, mm-hmm. you come up with like really awesome stuff that you wouldn't think about normally. So like the technique in jiu-jitsu, you might learn about something like pulling guard, okay? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, but why would someone do that? Why would someone like pull someone on top of them? You would never see that in wrestling. You would never right. see that in like, all these other sports. Why would jiu-jitsu do it? But then it's like, oh, well, the rule is blah, 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 blah. Like pulling guard is okay. And it might actually let you start taking someone's back or sweeping them over and getting your points from there. And also keeps you from giving up two points on takedown back by accident. So it's like, okay, that's cool. I didn't think about that. And I, I think that's where like a lot of the, um, the ideas come from, which I think is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even cooler is when you change like one of those rules, it's like everyone starts thinking in a whole new different way. Well, some, I, I think I think I saw John Donaher mention something mm-hmm. about this recently mm-hmm. where it's almost like, you know, like if you're in somebody's closed guard, mm-hmm. like nothing can happen until you address that. Yeah. But then basically saying, but that's only for sport jujitsu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're yeah. actually fighting somebody <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like <laughs> you're you're you can do a lot from that position yes exactly you know and i remember talking to somebody about that being like hey there's like you almost need to imagine three layers it's like yeah. there's sport jujitsu mm-hmm. then there's mma mm-hmm. and then there's fighting fighting exactly so i think he was saying something like you know like in sport jujitsu like all the inversions and stuff you probably wouldn't do no. in MMA and you definitely wouldn't do in a real fight. In a real fight, yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, but that's what you're talking about, where it's like the different rules start to mm-hmm. kind of like change how you like do these things. Absolutely. And, and then there's new techniques that come around whatever those new rules or, or games that pop up out of it. Bam, it's just like the, the, the I would say the, the rules dictate the tools. Like, you know, like if you change yeah. the rules up, all of a sudden mm-hmm. the tools change. So the technique, it's like, all right, we all know what a shrimp is, but that's right. just, is that, is that like what I'm using in jiu-jitsu to keep, to keep somebody from scoring points? Or yeah. is that the way I get out of bed in the morning? But it could be both, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Depends on the goal. And then, and, and then that's kind of leading to then like, well, what are like the meta skills? Like what yeah. are the big yes. things, the big, yes. big, big things like, you know, holding somebody down, like delivering yeah. pressure, you yes. know, like, well, maybe there's techniques in there, but at the end of the day, like you just need to learn how to hold people down. And yeah. that's the thing that transcends whether you're fighting MMA, jujitsu, or just wrestling or mm-hmm. Sambo or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. that understanding is like very rich and yeah. there's not necessarily a name attached to it. No, I, that, that's, I love that where it's like that part right there, the, the idea of how you do it 
Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we humans have like, we all typically look pretty alike. We have two arms, two legs, no head, that kind of thing. And so it's like, okay, we can kind of take that idea. And that does like kind of go above the sport. Like the way you hold somebody down and jitsu and wrestling and sambo and judo, it's like, they're all very similar. It's all very similar concepts. Like how can I make sure that they can't face me? I want them to face away so they can't bump into me and give me, like, you know, hip into me. Or mm-hmm. how can I like remove their ability to um, like uh, turn and get to their stomach. Like how can I stop that from happening? That mm-hmm. kind of thing, or how can I slow it down so that if they do move, I'm mm-hmm. there, I'm one step ahead. And mm-hmm. the, those kind of things transcend it. And then underneath that, the techniques fall, which I, I think is really cool. Yeah, well, and then, and then, and then there are the things yeah. that transcend all the things, yeah. like, yes. like the ability to move between like full and empty or hard and soft, Yes. right? Yes. And that is like, Oh, you learn that when you're like trying to hold someone down in jujitsu, but it also applies to dance and yeah. then it also applies to judo yeah. and all, you know, climbing, like all the things. And those are like the, the, the bigger gaps that can be filled in. But again, with something that isn't something you can name yeah. or, or put mm-hmm. a word on. Mm-hmm. And it, and it makes me think of like, <clears throat> I mean, they talk about it all the time in like different zen things or whatever but i do think in like zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance if you haven't Mm -hmm. read it you should Mm -hmm. read it okay but um he talks about this idea of like quality Mm -hmm. and quality being the collaboration of the subjective and the objective Mm -hmm. or like the linear and the organic Mm -hmm. and it does feel like in our world in our society in our culture like we're very caught up on the objective the technique Mm -hmm. the move the thing that has a word or a name the, the defined thing and <clears throat> that can get you so far, but without like the more poetic stuff or the more romantic things or the things that don't have the words that can't be explained or the things that are organic. Yes. You, yeah. you don't have that quality, that piece that kind of lies once you get them both to happen together. I love that. Yeah. And, go ahead. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes I notice like, you know, you would, we, we, we would start, like, you know, if I was training somebody new, we'd start off with, like, the basic, like, basic movements. And I, so I ran a movement class for a while, too. So it, mm-hmm. it applied to other stuff as well. We start off with, like, no basic movements. But when you took it higher up, the point was always, like, something kind of high above that. So, like, you know, doing martial arts, the point is to be able to defeat an attacker, you know? Or doing hand balancing, the point is to be able to stand on your hands. But then when we take it even higher past the technique and everything, all of a sudden the point is not just to be able to beat somebody, because if you want to do that, run them over with your car, dude. It's all good. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. it's like, but it's like, yeah. how can I restrain this person without hurting them? You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, now it's like, now it's actually kind of even more interesting. Okay, well, that means how can I be soft about it mm-hmm. where it's like I've disabled them, but mm-hmm. I haven't like caused them any bodily harm where they're gonna go up and like, they're not gonna remember who they are anymore or anything like that. Like they're gonna be totally fine. Or like, how can I hold this handstand and have it be so easy that I can even talk while doing it. I'm, I can think about, you know, what I'm gonna do the rest of the day, what I'm gonna eat that di- night for dinner, that kind of thing. It's like, it's not just the movement. It's also like above that techniques and then above that, even like just like the mindset of like, does this, is this something that would be benefited by being like, you know, a bit softer, like, you know, if someone's performing a double leg on me in jiu-jitsu, should I meet it with a sprawl, like a really hard sprawl, or should I meet it with like allowing them to go past, circling around to their back, 
skating my room, I could tell very easy. We all wake up and we're all just like, wow, that was very nice. What happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it didn't, didn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, well, as you, as you kind of got like worked your way up that pyramid there, you kind of got to the top and you were like, oh, something about mindset. Yeah. But I really think that like the top, you know, comes down to like the mind. Yeah like that ends up being kind of like the, the, the place where like, where we learn, like, well, that's where like resilience lies. That's where uh, adaptability and creativity lies. Like the more you can like manage your mind yeah. or control your mind or like whatever language it is that you want to use. I'm, I don't like the word control because I think <laughs> oh, it's yeah. the wrong idea about how yeah. we're supposed to approach the world. Yeah. But I think in a lot of like scriptures, they would use the word controlling the mind. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where you're getting to at the top where you're like, the stress doesn't get to you in the same yeah, way. Yes, yes. I, and I, I, like, I get, I get what you mean with the work control. It's like, you know, you're trying to like, basically yeah, manage me. Like, like, okay, now if someone is wants to be aggressive with me, do I feel like I'm totally lost? Or mm -hmm. do I feel like I kind of have like some someone someone to do? And then now take me and put me at the top of a rock wall. Mm -hmm. On my first day, um, I was getting like um, harnessed. Mm -hmm. And um, the the person harnessing me she was kind of small she was probably like around 120 pounds and I was just like she can't no how is she gonna do it how is she gonna spot me because I was like 187 pounds at the time and I'm like there's no way she could and then like no I trusted her of course because she works there I climbed up to the top I'm freaking out and she's uh -huh. like okay you're at the top now let go and uh -huh. I'll bring you down she's like it's kind of rappelled down and I'm like nah i'm stuck <laughs> so, so like i hold on to it and yeah. she lowers me down somehow i still don't know how she did it because she does like, the repelling thing mm -hmm. and then like i'm like that's so funny how my first day i'm freaking out there and then if you look at me three, four months later mm -hmm. after i'd like you no know, been taught how to climb a little bit better i'm not freaking out anymore i'm like okay i'm at the top of the thing i know where i am i know how to get down so it's like i have some ideas in my head i don't freak out and then now it's like okay now take me over to gymnastics and the mm -hmm. process starts all over again with sampling where i'm freaking out because it's like oh this is really hot this is really scary right and then a couple of months later i'm like hey now it's not so bad next right. thing again <laughs> right, like, com like comfort and familiarity yes mm -hmm. and then but but then you know the step further is like you know being prepared for the unfamiliar yeah. and still being able to like keep your yeah. mind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i i i think i stole this or reworded it from somewhere else that i read it but i've gotten in the habit of saying that like we're not trying to be in control yeah we're trying to be good at not being in control <laughs> yes mm -hmm. and to me like that's like as a generalist in the world like that's probably what we should be thinking about but definitely in movement to me i'm just like well that's how do we enter an uncertain world and be cool with it as yeah. opposed to being like, I'm trying to dominate. And that's why I don't like the word <laughs> control, you know, because control insinuates like dominating and owning and like, you know, trying to like win as opposed to being like, no, no, no. Like, how do I like enter a world and be totally cool collaborating? Yes. Yes. I you love know? that. And that's the beauty of like, you know, martial arts is like, mm -hmm. I think that it's a lot of, of that. I thought that was totally awesome. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry, I lost you for a second. <laughs> no problem. I, I thought that was awesome because it's like, um, like one of the I think learning how to learn is mm -hmm. really really cool. So like one of the things that in a movement journey is just like okay, when I join, I start joining like a new movement, right? 
Mm -hmm. it's like I'm total beginner I'm totally at zero do any of the concepts of like learning just apply so it's like okay well first things first I'm doing I don't know let's say I'm doing tumbling okay it's Mm -hmm. like so it's like okay how do I make sure that I don't get so injured that I can't tumble anymore then we start learning about rolling crashing safety and that kind of thing then if you do the same thing like how do I not get injured in climbing it's like oh we talk about how to properly fall off the wall how to mm-hmm. not like, peel away from it, you know? But then the same thing with like martial arts, it's like how to know when something's gonna break, how to tap at the right time. And mm-hmm. then at that point it's like, okay, now that I know how to like manage the risk in all these different movements. Mm-hmm. What's like the, like the 80-20, like what concept am I gonna use from the white belt to black belt of that movement all the whole time? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, now you start figuring out that kind of stuff. And it's like, I really like, think the process of learning something is also really, really fun. Just like, going into something and being like, okay, how can I stay safe while doing it? And mm-hmm. how can I like learn as effectively as possible? That mm-hmm. way, when I go into anything new, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is pretty cool. It's not like, I don't, I don't need to be freaking out, you know? Have you, have you read the, the art of learning the yeah. Josh, Josh, yeah. Josh Waitzkin. Which was, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you're saying some of the things that I think he talks about a little yes. bit in that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that book. I was like, when I first got it, I thought it was going to be something. And mm-hmm. it ended up being more of like a, almost like a biography, but he still teaches some really awesome stuff. And then I was mm-hmm. like, this book is even better than I thought. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved how he was like trying to learn at one point how to do martial arts and then trying to learn how to play chess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the beauty too. It's like, you know, some people get really, really good at something. Yeah. And then it actually inhibits them from trying something new. Mm-hmm. And because they like, they know what it's like to be at the top of the mountain and they'd rather just stay at the top of their mountain as opposed to being like, well, let me go to the bottom of another mountain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So when I find people who are like, have become the top of the game at something and then they go and do something else, I find a lot of like respect for that because Mm -hmm. that I think is a very challenging thing for people to do um, in our world. Yeah. Yeah, if you're used to being a top dog, it's like, okay, now let me go be at like the bottom of the mountain there. And it's like, oh, this is totally, totally weird. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine being like basically the best chess player in the world? Yeah. And then being like, I'm going to go be the worst martial artist for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then learning that, like, oh, the distance between chess and martial arts is not that far from a mindset perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there are similarities. There's like the whole, and there's this thing that you can use from one to another. Like, oh, let me see. How do I not lose at chess? How do I not lose at um, martial arts? Okay, now what are the 80, 20 that are going to be the most benefit in chess? What is that in martial arts? What are, what's the highest peak of it in chess? What's the highest peak in martial arts? I think that like those kind of just ideas transfer over, which is really awesome. But yeah, I think, like I said, it's so difficult to do that though, because like going into a whole new thing requires starting over with the empty cup. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not used to this. I, I'm used to like feeling the confidence there that uh, mm-hmm. that that feeling of like not knowing anything and being totally lost, that feeling is kind of scary. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, I think I said it earlier, but I'm reading it in a book right now and I've, I've, I've stole it from someone in the past, but like, you know, it's like a, a, a cultural addiction to competence Yeah, mm-hmm. that like prevents people from like doing these things. And then yeah. again, it's like, then you throw on it that you're actually really good at something. And it's like, <laughs> well, like, I got to keep drinking that drink. Yeah. I, I think so. Like, isn't like one of the biggest public, the fears in America, I think like public speaking, mm-hmm. something like that. I think that's like yeah. one of the bigger phobias or something like that. 
where it's like, you know, going in front of people and talking and looking at all incompetent is mm-hmm. so freaky sometimes. Right. And I, I know it firsthand. It's like I do I just I do the um, I do stories about whatever I talked about on my Instagram every morning. And in the past times, it would literally take me like an hour to make like three minutes of like, of like content on IG stories. Right. I'm constantly like, oh man, I said that wrong. I look weird. Like, you know, something like that. Yeah. And nowadays, it's just like, you know what? Like, I am totally human. If I mess it up, guys, you guys. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That's what I, and I keep telling people in class, I'm like, whatever you're doing right now, mm-hmm. it's perfect. It's yeah. actually perfect. Whatever yeah. it is that you're doing in this moment mm-hmm. is your perfection right now. Yes. And it's awesome. Yep. The only reason things might be imperfect is if you just stop doing it. <laughs> exactly. if you're doing it, it's perfect. Yes. You know, but it's like people do get caught up on like like this like idea of perfection, but it's like, you know, and in, in Tao Te Ching, it's like some line of like being like, you know, true perfection is imperfect. You know? And and that yes. that couldn't be yeah. more true. I I think I think so. It's just like uh it, it can't be anything less than being absolutely perfect and i'm like no there's a lot of things beforehand and if you're in it in the first place that's great like number one thing is i think make sure that you don't die if you can in your movement art just make sure if you're doing gymnastics let's make sure that you know how to roll out of skills make sure that you know how to fall softly with grace that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing Mm -hmm. um it's it's funny too because like ever since i've done martial arts I've had to use my martial arts skills twice in my life. Mm-hmm. And both of them are break falls. <laughs> both of them are right. break falls. Where yeah. I slipped and I almost like landed on my head, but I was like, you know, break fall, bam. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can hurt it all. So yeah. like, number one thing, make sure that you can't get eliminated mm-hmm. from that art. Yeah. And after that, it's just like, okay, well, if you're in it, you're probably going to keep getting better. Like, you know, there's always, of course, some things that'll give you probably more improvement than than anything else. But mm-hmm. I think the first thing, if you can find out just how to make sure that you clip that tail risk where you like, you know, that happens to you, you're gonna be totally out. You keep mm-hmm. yourself from getting injured and like, you know, killed, you're good to mm-hmm. go. Yeah, <laughs> and, but, and, and still respecting that like there's no certainty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's still moving. Yeah. yeah, so what what do you, I mean, I asked you a little bit, but now I'm curious because you have such a diverse background, like what are, where are you going right now or where do you, where are you interested in going where you'll feel like a white belt? What are kind of the directions that you're, you're you see somewhere kind of like going to? Oh, I love that. I am um, so one, one, like I said earlier, the relationship mm-hmm. with, I have with my wife. So I, I feel like kind of like a white belt there. Like I'm working on that a lot. And two, um, I'm doing a lot of like finance lately, mm-hmm. which has been an absolute blast. Because it's like, okay, like, how do I make sure that, like, I don't lose every bit of money I've ever made, you know, right. in the wrong investment? Right. And on I, pressure I, on pressure cookers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to invest all my money in pressure cookers. And it's like, oh, like <laughs> then a new one comes out that's better than that one. Like, great, I lost all my money. You know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> what do I do with these pressure cookers? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, those are the two main things I do nowadays. It's like uh, I talk. I spend a lot of time with my wife, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of make marriage better. And then I spend time doing finance, which is also really fun. And nice. Both of those, I feel like I feel like pretty white belt in. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's. A, I mean, listen. It's as you said. Like you, you kind of like bask in that feeling. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a blast. It's like okay, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm. 
I need to, I want to have to do a lot of work to get better at it, but that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's the fun of it. Yeah. So if people want to work with you, what are the best routes to like making that happen? So if you want to work with us, you can send some message to mail at mindfulmover.com. Mm -hmm. And that's where we'll get back to you with all the in details on our online coaching and everything. Mm -hmm. And if you want to check out what we like, know what we offer, how we think, what we kind of like talk about, you can look at our Instagram, which is the underscore mindful underscore mover. And you can check our YouTube, which is mindful mover. And we also have a newsletter, which the link is in our Instagram bio. And yeah. all, all those are pretty messed up every, every day. Well, I dig that you guys uh, have gotten in the habit of like doing these like funny videos <laughs> on, on your Instagram that kind of like tackle some of the subjects and like, you know, just like not taking it all so like seriously, because as oh. I said, like somehow movement gets very serious sometimes and people are just like, well, you know, it, it has to be a certain way, but like, there's like a nice uh, refreshing, like looseness to like what you guys are putting out there. My, my mom always says, you got two choices. You can laugh or cry. So you might as well just go ahead and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. yeah. Or the next year on your Instagram is just going to be you weeping. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have like, you know, uh, our, our funny videos on Saturday and on Sunday, it's going to be me crying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just you, 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 you grieving, but for no explainable reason. Like, God, he seems really torn up, but like you don't address it at all. What, yeah, what, it's just like you just like like tears like shooting onto the camera and like sniffling, but it's like 30 minutes and but never explaining what it was. It's just like never, signing never. on, crying goodbye. And they're like, whoa, man, he was really feeling it. That guy's really sad. I wonder, what he, <laughs> wonder why. It's like yeah. my mom would come on, she'd be like, it's because it's not laughing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then if people want to do online coaching with you, like wh what are some of the things that they should expect in terms of that, like interaction or like, what is like the time commitment or, or, or how long is it like a monthly yearly thing that they commit to? So it, it goes on for, we just did the math too. It, it's usually around uh, blocks of like three months mm -hmm. and people, if your time commitment, whatever commitment you have, like bring it up to me. Like, I don't see any, any time commitment that you, or any time constraints are not a bug for me that are feature. Like, that's a challenge. Like, bring it on. <laughs> like, uh -huh. like yeah. I love when people have like, oh, I've only got 30 minutes. What can you do? I'm like, <laughs> 29 minutes more than I need, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. um, so any of those things, any kind of constraints, like we, we got them all as long as you're willing to try something new out, because yeah. it, it probably is going to be new for most people. As long as we want to try something new, I think almost anybody will benefit from it. And even if you just like, you, you do it and you're like, okay, I kind of still want to go back to training the way I was. Well, you'll have a whole new way of training that you can keep in your back pocket for later. So I think everyone should try it out at least once, you know? Well, that's good. I like that you said that where it's almost like giving you, you want to give people some tools that they can take on their own and they're not dependent forever. No, no. It's like, I want people, to, I tell people like, you know, everyone should know how to train minimalist, even if they don't, because eventually at some point in life, life is going to make you train minimalist. Like something's going to happen where like, you know, your, your partner is going to be sick. Your kids get into hard drugs or they're, they're on cocaine, your mm -hmm. dog, and your cat run away with each other. And they make like a cat dog, something like that. Like you're going to have like <laughs> some time where life is stressful and you have to train minimalist. You mm -hmm. might as well learn how to do it now so that when that time comes up, 
you're like, oh, I'm prepared. I'm good. My gains are still going. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that you have the so you you've developed like a, some strategies on your own. Absolutely. Like we we got you set there. We'll make sure that even no matter what happens in life, you're gaining. <laughs> Man, Phil, I am so happy that we got to like connect. I I realized that like I've known about you, and I realized there were a couple moments where I feel like we almost crossed paths at different times. Um, but like this has been really awesome because I feel like, uh, I feel like we're friends now. Yo, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. like, I feel the same way. Like I, I absolutely loved talking about it. It was such a blast. It's like, I, I love these conversations because like, like you said, we, we passed up back and forth and it's almost like in a way you can get to, get to like, almost in a way kind of live somebody else's life a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, we can't, we can't really hit the do over multiple times on our own life, yeah. but I feel like, you know, like getting to hear other people's viewpoints, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, that's like a little bit, of, it's a little taste into like seeing how somebody else has lived, which I, I yeah. really love. That's what I love talking so much. And, 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 we, and we need more of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. we need more conversations, like more discourse, like more, you know, sharing and exchanging and Absolutely. yeah, because it's like, a, you know, and you know it from having like a, a you know, an, an Instagram, especially, you know, with, with some success, it's like, it can quickly devolve into a one-way conversation yeah. mm-hmm. and you need to be like, well, let me just like chat my ideas out and like, and bounce it off people and see yeah. what's going on so that it can get narrowed down. Because if not, then like, <laughs> there's no feedback exactly. <laughs> other yeah. than, other than likes or dislikes. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, like I said, when you mentioned earlier, that part about compassion, I was like, that's funny. That's the word I have literally been looking for mm-hmm. for a while where it's like, I was lacking in compassion. And it's like, I didn't know what word it was before where I was just like, I could, I told people I, I couldn't take them on as trainees unless I could do at least four times a week. But now it's like, ah, that was the exact word. It was, I was lacking compassion. Now mm-hmm. I have it because you no, know, I understand that I can fit people into this kind of training regardless yeah. of what they're doing. You know what I mean? Well, like I said, when we first got on the call, I, I really respect the 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 humility that you exude and that like you've made public in 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 your approach and i think that like there needs to be more of that and i think more people need to be willing to do that so i'm i'm super excited at some point here when the when the world opens up that we'll get to like train a little bit together absolutely i haven't gotten to do jujitsu since march i don't know how long (laughs) it's been since you've done it maybe a couple years or so but we'll like we'll at the very least roll some jujitsu sounds good to me (laughs) sounds killer I can't wait. The next time we'll do this, we don't even have to record it. We'll just get on the phone and chat. Sounds good to me. Anytime. We, you know, we got a lot of free time. Yeah, man. Shoot me, <laughs> shoot me an email with your phone number. Okay. Got it. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thanks for coming. Thanks for the chat. Later.